Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Fight Stance Podcast. This is episode two. I am one of your co-hosts, JC, joined by my other co-host, Flex. Yeah, this is Flex here. We are going to cover UFC 224. Though first, we got a few things we got to talk about. Yeah, so we got uh, some news that's floating around on Twitter as I follow it right now. There's been some back and forth with Eddie Alvarez and Dustin Poirier. Poirier's been trying to get this rematch going. I like it. Yeah, and Alvarez has been reluctant. Something's going on with his, his contract. And he just tweeted that he will see Dustin Poirier at UFC Calgary. And now it's being... Not true. Yeah, we don't know <laughs> if it's true or not. Some other sources are saying that's not true. But we'd like to discuss that, along with some other rumored fights that we've gotten this week from Dana White. Yeah, so we got uh, Nate Diaz versus George St. Pierre, which has a lot of potential. First of all, for the super fight era, obviously WME, that's their thing. They want these super fights. They want big pay-per-views. That's kind of the motif nowadays, and I feel like it's pushing a lot of these fighters into that way of thinking, when that may not even be their style anyway. Though, we'll see if that fight gets pushed through. Would you want to see that, GSP versus Nate? No, the potential for it is for Nate to reach. I tweeted about this earlier this week. The potential is for Nate to reach a living legend status. They're trying to push these fighters past their own popularity. They're trying to push them past the normal state of popularity for a UFC fighter. You know, even at Conor McGregor's level, you know, no one's reaching that. They're trying to make sure that every fighter can reach a next level of popularity and kind of grow the sport that way i feel like there's so many questions behind that fight um you know nate is a 155er naturally yes does gsp drop down to 155 it seems incredibly difficult he says that he can but he's now older um the other thing is it's rumored to be on the ufc 227 card which is being headlined by Garbrandt and Cody. If you had all right, if you have GSP on a pay-per-view card, he has to headline. Yeah. You can't have GSP as a co-main. No. Which means GSP Nate would have to be a title fight. Yeah. It would have to be. Now here's the interesting point. Someone floated out. I apologize, I can't remember your name. Uh I'll put it in the comment section of our Twitter posts. But someone on Twitter, reporter, said that this could obviously be maybe for the 165 pound pound belt. Which is exciting, man. The other interesting point is that this is in California, which is a commission that is pushing for more weight divisions. Exactly. So if the UFC wants to add that weight division, this is the state to do it in. This is the stage. So... GSP Nate at 165. What do you think? That's the most likely situation because, you know, I don't, I was telling you this yesterday. I don't feel like we've seen Dana put in a corner by any member of the media and questioned to the point where he has to answer on whether or not this is a possibility. You know, that always happens, right? They get Dana in the corner and say, is this going to happen? And he kind of plays around with the words. You know, he's been doing this for a long time. He knows what he's what he's doing as a promoter. And uh, this could be a huge deal. And it would answer that big question that everybody's asking right now. Does this fight make sense 
for most people, and especially the rankings, it makes zero sense. Zero. The, the other thing is the rankings kind of go out the window if you change the weight class. Um, you know, I would I would like it if it was that 165-pound belt. Yeah. I don't think the GSP has had interest. He has not showed inter- interest in fighting Nate. Mm. Nate has said in the past that that is Nick's fight. Yeah. GSP, he doesn't want to take that. Nick's fight. And Nick has said the same thing about Connor. He said he doesn't want to fight Connor. That's Nate's fight. But if it were to happen, GSP Nate, 165, I believe that GSP's opportunity to be the inaugural champion in a new weight class in the UFC adds to his legacy that he's searching for. Um, And then whoever wins that, you've got Connor waiting at the door. If he doesn't want Khabib... He could want a 165 pound pound belt, and now Connor would have won three different titles, three different divisions. Yeah, I honestly feel like with Connor's career, it's like he won the lottery four times. He's just trying to figure out which ticket to cash in and which one's going to be the most lucrative. He doesn't know the amount value of each lottery ticket. He knows it's the biggest in the history of the sport. He's just trying to pick which one he wants, and he's taking his sweet ass time. Sweet time. <laughs> And he's got to buy all the time until he figure out, figures out what the fuck he wants to do because he doesn't want to fight Khabib. I still don't think he wants to fight Khabib. You don't think he wants Khabib. to fight Khabib, man? You I don't still think don't Conor think McGregor can combat the, the greatest wrestler I do not in the think MMA? That he wants. You don't do think not. that Conor has insane grappling defense? <laughs> you you haven't seen that security cam footage? Like, yeah. Come on Yeah, now. I saw it. Um, that guy could have been the security guy for all we know. He could have yeah. been the security guard. Look, man. But Who knows? The third fight that's being thrown around uh, by Dana. He says it's not an interim title fight. Some people say it might be, but regardless, just talking about the fight is Gustafson versus Rockhold. Rockhold will be moving up to 205. Yes, finally. Sir. Finally. Rockhold versus Gustafson (laughs) is going to be for sure a headliner. I don't know. I don't know what it means for middleweight. I don't know what it means for light heavyweight. I mean, let's talk about Daniel Cormier, how this affects him. I would love to see a rematch. Some people say they don't want to see the rematch with Gustus and Cormier. I definitely do. I know that if we see Rockhold coming to light heavyweight division, that's a clear sign. It's a guarantee that DC's retiring. That's one thing we can say for sure because they're training partners. They're damn near best friends. So they're not going to fight each other. Never. And that's what we've been waiting for. We've been waiting for, not that we've wanted it, that we've been waiting for DC to sort of announce or at least allude to leaving the light heavyweight division because we know Rockhold might have a better chance at the division. We've seen a trend of fighters moving up in weight class and doing very well just as, you know, last two years or so. DC is being pushed, you know, between a rock and a hard place with his teammates. Kane wants to come back at heavyweight. Uh. Luke Rockhold wants to move up in weight. Yes. Where does he fall in? It's possible that he takes this uh, Stipe fight. Honestly, for DC, I would like to see him take the Stipe fight. I want DC to win this fight. And the potential for that Brock Lesnar fight mm-hmm. would be his final fight of his career. 
Yes. Or a John Jones return or whatever. Some some fight of great magnitude would be the final fight of his career and the Rockhold and Kane situations won't matter anymore. But as far as uh, Rockhold, it's, it's interesting because Rockhold was always a large middleweight. Very large. But Gustafson is a large light heavyweight. He sure is. He's a big dude. And Rockhold's chin has not looked well at middleweight. Now he's going to be going up against guys with a lot more muscle on him, a lot more strength. Man, Rockhold's just got all that talent. I just... There's there's less talent at light heavyweight and more of a chance for Rockhold to be successful because of that. But his career has been on a downward slope. I would favor Gustafson in this fight. Um, Gustafson's striking, his size, his takedown defense... Um, he's just a special fighter. I think he's too big for Rockhold. You know, um, I'm interested in the fight, but, you know, it is what it is. We'll see what happens. I would favor Gustafson as well. I mean, just look at the level he's reached. Look at the Teixeira fight and look how dominant he was on the feet. And when he's pressing the action and in control, it really only takes one or two strikes from a guy like Gustafson for him to take action because he's really a tactician, though he's so big and so powerful. He hurts you with his one-twos. He hurts you with one uppercut. So if he catches Rockhold with this, you know, past in the last three or so fights of having a suspect chin, it's going to be a bad night. Rockhold is the kind of guy that lands those body kicks often. He's very crisp in his boxing. And once he gets you hurt... Somewhere in the beginning of the second round, typically, that's when he takes over the fight. And he literally takes it over every time. It, yeah. it, it, yep. Once Rockhold takes over, he rarely ever doesn't find the finish, whether it's on the ground or whether it's a, a TKO or KO. So I am right there with you on Gustafson because I feel Gustafson will hurt, will hurt him early the same way that Branch hurt Rockhold early. The only difference is he'll finish him. There's just there's just something about Rockhold, his last three fights that I feel that he has not looked like Rockhold. Maybe it's maybe he's cutting too much weight, whatever's going on. But you have the Bisping fight, the Branch fight, and the Romero fight. Even in the Branch fight in which he won, I didn't think that he looked like the Rockhold that beat Weidman. You know, yeah. Um, I think he's he's either past that or he's affected by the weight cut. But um. Something else I want to throw out there is Kevin Lee has been calling for Nate Diaz Ooh. as well. I mean, that's Ooh. that's another fight. It's not really a rumor, but I put on Twitter that would be crazy fight potential and would be an amazing, especially with Lee coming off this hot win um, and Nate Diaz being from California. If that was the co-main for Cody TJ, God, that would be a great fight, man. But, um, I mean, after talking about these fights, Alvarez Poirier, Gustafson Rockhold, GSP Nate, which of those three would you be most be looking forward to if they were all guaranteed to happen? Which one are you most looking forward to? Which one do you want to happen? Alvarez Poirier, because they both deserve a title shot, 100%. And it's the rematch. And it's the rematch. The unfinished. Yeah. I mean, you know, unfinished business. Absolutely, absolutely. That's the fight that I've always paid the most attention to as well. 
Especially after Poirier's last performance. You can't you can't tell me that Poirier doesn't deserve a title shot and this is the fight that would guarantee it. I already think Poirier deserves a title shot. Though the one guy that I feel like he should maybe face before a title shot is Alvarez because Alvarez is right there with him. Right, right there with him. After he dismantled right. Gaethje, I mean, yeah, you, you got to give him the nod. Lightweight has... You've got Alvarez, Poirier, you got Kevin Lee, you've got Khabib's a champ, you got Ferguson's injured, you got Connor Confusion, you got all this stuff. Visually, as far as me just wanting to watch a great fight, it would be the same answer. It would be Alvarez versus Poirier. For the future of the UFC, I think I, after I talked about it more on the podcast, I hadn't really thought about it that much, I guess. That GSP Nate fight in California at 165 would be something I want to see. It's exciting. 155? Absolutely not. No. I don't want to see it at 155. Not even worth talking about. It can't I, happen. I don't... Have you... GSP cannot make 155 pounds. Period. I, I think I think he's dedicated enough he can make it. He couldn't make it and be a good fighter. Or I mean he couldn't make it and be GSP level fighter. I'm gonna say he can't make it. I'm gonna say, <laughs> I'm gonna say he can't make it. And we talked about this earlier, man. You've seen that that weird six pack gut. Uh, yeah. That athlete's gut. You don't have you seen as, that? As, have you seen as, that at one fifty five? As, Michael, one of as those? Michael Bisping would say, he was impregnated by an alien. <laughs> um. It's just you know he's he's an athlete. He's a dedicated uh, mixed martial artist. If he wants to make a weight, if he has that mindset, we all know GSP is one of the most sound people, mind and body. When he's dedicated, yeah. when he doesn't want to fight, what does he do? He retires. He's done. I don't want to fight anymore. Yeah. But when he does. He is on point. He's focused. He's lasered in. Though I feel as though at his current age, he cannot and will not make 155. It'll be for the 165 yeah. title, hopefully. I just, I just see it as being pointless at 155. It's not for a belt. It can't headline. True. Because you can't have TJ and Cody as a co-main, a title fight, and have that co-main for a non-title fight. Right. It just doesn't make any sense. So I, I like the idea of 165. California, I'm sure, would approve it or find a way to make it happen. I don't know how those commissions work and how much time that takes and so on and so forth. But we'll see. You know, I have interest there. Um, the other thing is apparently they want to increase uh, weight divisions um, to go with this new UFC deal. So we can jump into that. Uh, what should take on the new UFC deal with ESPN. My honest opinion immediately is this is a positive for MMA in general because it shows that the big players in the game, arguably one of the biggest players in the game as far as entertainment, Disney, is showing interest in MMA. That's a huge deal. If you told somebody five years ago that one of the largest companies on the planet is going to invest in MMA, you'd be like, that's, no, there's no way. There's no way that that's going to happen. I mean, we're talking about, we're talking, it's called the ESPN Disney deal. Disney owns ESPN. So it's the right. Disney deal. Right. You know what I mean? Disney is huge. They own Marvel. They own ABC Network. They own everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the thing about this deal 
is that they are keeping UFC Fight Pass. I don't have Fight Pass. You have it, right? I do. How much do you pay? I don't remember. It's like $10, right? Something like that. It's like $10 a month. The things that they are advertising to be on ESPN Plus, which is ESPN's subscription service, are the things that I right now get for free on FS1. (laughs) So you have, apparently there's going to be 12 or 15 fights, fight nights on ESPN Plus. Now I got to pay five bucks to watch that. You do. You have, what was it? Uh, Dana White's Contender Series. I watch that for free right now. Embedded. I got to pay for that. Is Embedded going to be on there? I believe Embedded and Countdown. I'm not sure. Countdown, sh- definitely. Countdown is, but not Embedded. Embedded is still going to be on YouTube. Yeah, but I mean, Countdown's on YouTube. Oh, it's all on YouTube. <laughs> it's, I mean, yeah. so that's where I watch it. If I can't catch it live, I catch it on YouTube. There's there's all these free things that we get right now that now we have to pay $5 for while still paying $10 for Fight Pass. Don't you feel, though, that that is the business model is to get people interested in something, build up why it's worth buying, and then sell it to you? Okay. But if they just came out with this new contender series and were like, you have to pay for it, I don't think the viewership would ever catch on, and we would never know who O'Malley is. We would never know who all these fighters were. If we couldn't see his stuff on YouTube... If we couldn't see some of these fighters on on YouTube, then we wouldn't know. I they gain the viewership. I feel like if you're going to charge $5 for a subscription, you have to have things on there that are strictly for MMA purists. People who watch everything MMA who are like, look, I love the UFC so much, I'm paying 5 bucks to watch that because I've got to see it. But for your your general casual fan who's just watching, who's just you know at home on a Friday night and is flipping through channels, he's not gonna flip through to something that he has to pay five bucks for. You know, there's nothing. He's not gonna get interested in the UFC. They're not gonna gain fans from this. They're not gonna gain an audience from this because people aren't gonna pay five bucks for something that they don't know if they're interested in or not. And. I just, on top of that, you're still paying for fight pass. Like I, That is a problem. That's one thing I did acknowledge. We talked about this yesterday. It's one thing I did acknowledge is that they have to do away with fight pass. I mean, let's take a look at fight pass. We got to pull it up on the laptop right now. They've got uh, to add to fight pass. They have to add things. The library is cool. The library of all these fights is great. That I love that. It's it's I mean it's it's great, but is it worth ten dollars a month still if you're paying five bucks for ESPN Plus at the same time? I don't you're, think it's worth ten dollars a month standalone. So it should just be cheaper and only have the library. I mean, do away with yeah, early fine. access for these prelims. These early prelims, you know, on <laughs> UFC two twenty four, we have these four fights. Who's paying to see these four fights? Let's be honest without disrespecting the fighters here who would pay i'll tell you for fights i'll tell you those what kind of fan? fight pass fights when you watch a pay-per-view there is nobody in the stands 100 percent. it's empty it is quiet so yeah there are people who watch them the thing the thing with those fights i i watch them but i don't watch them live me either 
I watch them at a later time. Maybe I hear on Twitter people are talking about, hey, you got to watch this guy. Or I see a highlight of a finish from the fight pass. Now I want to go back and watch the whole fight. But I don't really care about the winner. So that's why I don't care about watching it live. And I'm not going to pay money to watch it live because I don't care about the winner. I can watch it at a later date. They need to get they need to get rid of Fight Pass for ten dollars a month, move all of that content to ESPN plus and make ESPN plus ten dollars a month. The way it is now, you have two different subscription services. One's ten dollars, one's five dollars. Uh pay per view is HD is I believe sixty five dollars. So if you're ordering every pay per view, you're paying eighty bucks a month to watch all these UFC fights. 80 bucks a month is a lot of freaking money. And we're talking about the kind of money that semi-casual fans would never pay. Casual fans wouldn't think about it. And then those that are just getting into MMA, still, it's like, it's just too much. I mean, you and I, MMA enthusiasts, we're not considering it. We're, we're discussing it. We're not just openly saying, right away, let's sign up for this thing. I mean, it's currently available, apparently, ESPN Plus. You can get on the app now. We don't have it yet. We're discussing this. We're trying to figure out what they're going to do with it. Because they're going to put this out to the masses. The masses are going to respond. I feel like they're trying to take advantage of the fact that they already have the operating system, both literally and figuratively, for ESPN Plus and Fight Pass. So they're going to try to run Fight Pass dry until the last drop and then get rid of it and put out ESPN Plus as this brand new product. You know, like, the other thing with... Fight Pass. We're looking here. It starts at 6.15 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The main card goes off after midnight. That's six hours of either you're in the arena watching for six hours or you're at home in front of your TV watching for six hours. Or you're at, well, you can't be at a bar because part of it's Fight Pass and it's not available at a bar. So you're at home watching fights for six hours six hours is a long time two or three weeks ago i went to shogun fights shogun fights had 10 10 fights on the card and they're just they're back to back to back i was there for about four hours it's a long time i love watching fights i absolutely love watching fights i loved being there live there were some good fights or some good talent four hours was a long time you consider a NBA basketball game on average two and a half hours. NFL football on average three and a half hours. Baseball, they're they're constantly changing the rules in baseball to shorten the game because people don't want to sit. Even baseball fans don't want to sit through a game. And they're the most patient for three and a half hours by far. Yeah. So for the the UFC to be confident and people to watch fights for six hours, to me it's just like get rid of the the fight pass prelims, and just just scrap it. Just keep the regular, you know, the regular prelims and the main card. I think they should stretch out the prelims. You know, for UFC two twenty four, we have four fights. For the early prelims, we have four fights. Let's just make it six prelim fights and then six main card fights, you know, and and really work on the um, work on the 
you know, when we have this lineup, we look at one guy that we know might have a highlight finish. That's not the case in every prelim. And You're I'm talking about that. the prelim prelims. I'm talking about the undercard, rather. Right. At the undercard, we got one guy that we're kind of excited about maybe having a highlight in uh, Olenek. Because he's about 72. <laughs> and he pulls off the most ridiculous... He's 52 and 11. Didn't know that. Uh, he pulls off these crazy chokes from nowhere. He's super strong. And uh, he, he upsets a lot of people with first-round submissions, which is damn impressive for his age. Yeah. Other than that, we don't really care about the undercard. I mean, no disrespect to some of these fighters. You know, you got Sean Strickland on here, you know. You know uh, the fight pass, Olenek Albini is the only fight on there that I'm looking forward to, to watching live. The other, car, the other fights... I'm fine with catching up the next day. I'm not as invested in the winner of those fights. The, n- n- nobody on there. I don't. I don't even know if any of those guys are ranked. Just off the top of my head, and it doesn't even matter. But uh, none of them are ranked. Yeah. So none of them are ranked. What about the only two ranked people on the undercard are okay, Olenek well, and Albini, and that I we didn't even it. know that until we just looked. So uh, yeah. I mean. So none of those other guys are ranked. Not that that doesn't mean that it won't be a good fight. It just means that the impact of a win for any of those guys doesn't really matter. So there I can no watch impact. it the next day. I'm, I can't. Their impact is do they do they stay on the UFC? I watch a lot of fights. Some if I can't watch it live, I watch it the next day. I, I'm gonna like I said, I'm gonna watch all these guys in their entirety. But I'm not on the edge of my seat. Kind of a. <sighs> It's, I don't want to say it's a weak card. It's just... Well, let's take it for what it is. It's a fun card. It's just I, I'm not paying 60 bucks for it. That's all. Right. And and touching on the undercard real quick before we move on, you know, even though we know the rankings lately have been questionable and there's a lot of talk about that, maybe we'll get into that later. Just going off the rankings, it just so happens that the only two ranked fighters on the undercard happen to be the ones that we're most excited to watch. And I would guarantee... Most MMA fans are the most excited to watch. So if you threw in, I mean, you're talking about the number 10, the number 14 ranked guys, you know, if you throw in just some 10 to 15 ranked guys, you know, the guys in the lower five on these undercards and make it six fights, that's going to draw more audience to that. It's going to get people more excited. We're not just going to sit there and hope for a knockout win on guys we don't know. That's what I do sometimes, undercards. You know, you don't want that. You don't want to start your cards off like that. Right. Well, like I said, you know, I'll be watching, but I might be getting food in the middle of a fight and not be sorry about it. That's all I I'm agree. I'm not, I, I'm not gonna be mad at a bathroom break. That's all I'm saying. Can we touch on PFL for a second? You yes. know, with this podcast, I don't want our audience to think that we don't know the difference between MMA and UFC because. You get caught up in what's going on in the UFC because this is the main show. This is the top of the fucking pyramid. Though, there's a lot of exciting fights to be had. There's a lot of exciting highlights I've been watching. I've really expanded my horizon into Bellator, into PFL, and we're planning on going to a lot of these events. So We are going to be going to the DC card we in are. July. That's 
July 5th, correct? Yes, which is also my birthday. Correct. So we will be attending the third PFL event, July 5th in D.C. Um, I have been, since the PFL has been releasing news about how they're going to market and so on and so forth, I have been big talking on Twitter about how much of a fan I am of their ideas. The only question marks that surround it are obviously guys get hurt. How does that affect their tournament? Um, But I love the idea of you can't talk your way into a fight. You just got to win. You know, I like that as a throwback and they've, they've got some, some good fighters that they've signed from uh, they've got Will Brooks. They have um, Lance Palmer. Um, was a uh, Rick Story, I believe, is there. I believe so. So, they they've got guys that are well known. Um, I'm just I'm just a big fan of what they're doing. Um, it's local to me. Rick Story is there. Yeah, Jake right. Shields as well. Jake Shields. So I'm just a I'm just a big fan. Eddie Gordon, wasn't he just on Tough? Yes, he was. Yeah, didn't do well. Correct. So there is some name value in PFL. Um, you know, I'm I'm very excited about what they're doing. Um, I'm hoping you guys will check it out as well. And anything else to say on the PFL? Because I'm gonna. There's something from the PFL that I'm gonna lead into next. <laughs> I hear in your voice you're trying not to to, to leak this big news. I'm avoiding been, something. Uh, here. Yeah, exactly. Uh, no, all I want to discuss is the fact that we're broadening our horizons. And you know, I was at UFC Atlantic City uh, at April, and you were at the Shogun fights locally uh, in Maryland. So. You know, we're just trying to uh, get ourselves more immersed in the sport, man. We're trying to, like I said, broaden our horizons. All right. Leading from the PFL into the next segment, we are starting a new segment. Uh, this is JC's Underground Kings. Uh, so each each month, I will be d- discussing either a fighter from another league who needs to be signed by a major organization such as the UFC who I feel that isn't getting the mainstream attention that they deserve, who is underrated, or a UFC fighter, current UFC fighter who is signed, who I believe is going to be a big star, who people may not know about. Maybe they haven't seen him. Maybe they don't know his name, um, but has a world of talent that I think needs to be exposed to the world. For the inaugural JC's Underground Kings, I couldn't decide. On which one I wanted to do. So I'm doing one of each. Okay. So to start this off, as I said, PFL would uh, lead into this. A fighter from another league who needs to be signed. Mr. Andre the Bull Harrison. Okay. This man is the former Titan FC champion. Defended that belt multiple times. He's a featherweight. Current PFL slash WSOF champion, featherweight champion. A lot of people know the name Lance Palmer. When people think of WSOF, Lance Palmer is one of the names that come to mind. Lance Palmer is a team alpha male guy. Andre Harrison beat Lance Palmer easily. 
believe it was 49-46 across the board. If you didn't know, the entire fight is on YouTube. I suggest you go and watch Andre Harrison. If you are not familiar with him, he is 17-0 in his professional career. What was Khabib when he made the UFC? Probably around 17, 18-0. Uh, he's 26 and 0 now. Okay. So I want to say had maybe eight fights in the yeah, UFC. Yeah, I was going to say he might fights, have been whatever, 20. Whatever he is. He's had X amount of fights in the UFC. You have a guy like Andre Harrison, lower weight class, loads of talent. He fights out of Belmore kickboxing uh, in New York. Um, I know Dennis Bermudez fights there. I think John Volante's up there. Um, so a couple of UFCs that UFC guys that are up there training at his academy. Um, just a world of talent from this kid. I believe he's a 28 or 29 years old. He's still on the young side of 30. Um, currently in the PFL. I forget how many fights you have to win in the PFL to win this million dollars. I'm assuming it's three. I believe so. So potentially he could be 20 and 0. Win a million dollars, and the UFC needs to be knocking at his door. Absolutely. I mean, super talent. The next guy I've been teasing Flex about. I have been teasing Flex about this guy. So the next guy is a guy who's signed by the UFC, uh, who's kind of just below the surface. Okay, he needs the he needs the exposure. He's got a lot of talent. Okay. Um, the reason I've been teasing Flex about this guy is because he's seen him before. He was impressed with him before. And he can't think of who I'm talking about, who I'm hinting at. The name, and if you could pull up YouTube on the screen here. I have to turn the volume off. Um, the name we're going to go with is Light Heavyweight Dominic Reyes. Do you recall the name? Yes, of course. Type his name in. Get a quick refresher. Dominic Reyes, ladies and gentlemen. Yep. Dominic Reyes. There's a few highlights on here for sure. Oh, yeah. Just click the first one. Yeah. This is the one that I... Yeah. If you're at home, listen. This guy... I I was right there with you when... Yes. Type in Dominic Reyes on YouTube. Click the first link. Be impressed. Okay. He's terrifying. Yeah. He He's is absolutely terrifying. Six four light heavyweight. Did some research on his background. Played Division One college football, right? You hear about these guys transitioning from football to the to MMA? Generally they're defensive linemen. Think about all the guys you've thought of. You know, Greg Hardy's transitioned. I think I saw Justin Willis was an offensive lineman. They've all been big boys, linemen. This guy was a safety, okay? Athletic, 6'4", safety. Uh, played for, can't remember what school he played for. Stony Brook, I believe. Small school, but Division One football. He went to the combine. Just a super athletic guy. Coached by Joe Daddy Stevenson. You watch his fights? Joe Daddy Stevenson is Good in his court. Joe, man. Joe Daddy Good Stevenson. Old Joe. Gotta love Joe. Shout out to Joe Stevenson. Two UFC fights, both first round finishes. The guy is under five minutes in, of octagon time in two fights. I believe one was a knockout, one was a choke. 
Um, but you guys really got to get on Dominic Reyes. Interesting note I found on this guy. I believe it was on his Wikipedia page. Because I Wikipedia the hell out of these guys. Dominic Reyes works in IT at a high school. Yeah. <laughs> yeah of course so he does. He's just your regular guy <laughs> that can head kick you in the, in the back of the head. Uh, but you guys got to check him out. And the soonest that you can check him out is on UFC Chile coming up. He will be yeah. fighting Jared Cannonier. Yeah, UFC, UFC Chile. Fight Night 129, man, May 19th. Watch this kid, man. Less, I, less I was away. blown away watching his highlights for the first time. And he just, he uses his height very well. I mean, his understanding of distance. This isn't a guy that's just big and is picking apart those those less experienced fighters that don't know how to deal with range. You know, this isn't like a Stefan Struve scenario, early Stefan Struve, no disrespect to Struve, but this isn't that kind of scenario where you see a guy just not know how to find their range uh, against him. He knows his range very well. Man. He utilizes it very well. And every connection that he makes, every punch, every kick, it's just devastating, and it's fitting that his name is The Devastator. The Devastator. Super talent. Guys, you got to check him out. UFC Chili. Uh, go and check out his old fights. Check out his highlights. If you have not seen him, please do it. Now, earlier, we were talking about the possibility of a 165-pound division, and I wanted to touch on something very quickly. That's very interesting to me because, in my opinion, right now, the most interesting fights are 170, 155, and 145. Welterweight, lightweight, and featherweight are by far the most interesting divisions, in my opinion. You got the the steepest talent pool. You got the the deepest talent uh, uh, potential and some of the most interesting matchups, by far. And we all know the insanity that is lightweight right now, especially at the top five. Featherweight's on the come up. Featherweight is insane right now with the dominant champion. And 65 could really mix things up and make the welterweight division even deeper, especially with the most recent season of Tough. Yeah. I I love the idea of a 165 division. You have everything on the fives from 125 on up. That's how it should I be. think that's how it should be. I think that they're hesitant to introduce it because of the reorganization of the divisions. If you have 170, you now have to bump that up to 175. I'm sure Tyron Woodley wouldn't have an issue with it going to 175 because he cuts so much weight. Um, But all those guys that are in that division are your top contenders, 175ers now? Or are they 165ers? Does that dilute your 175-pound division? I think that's those questions are things that they have to iron out, and it may take some time to create this division. Just because it's not just creating a division, you have to reorganize another one. I think that's the issue. That's the beauty, though, of other organizations being on the rise. An organization with the potential like PFL and an organization like Bellator, you know, when they get on the rise and they get some of these better fighters and they're not just pulling from the UFC's legends and creating these ridiculous yeah. cards. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Bellator. I love you guys. Kind of. Uh, you know, when they're 
more a better example of PFL having some young guys that the UFC can start looking at. You can build a big talent pool, and you can have a strong 75, 65, 55, 45. You can have a strong division every 10 pounds and, you know, a better organization altogether because of that. Yeah, man. I, I mean, it's... It's for the betterment of the league. I just, I, I'm, I'm just confused as to how they're going to implement it. But that's why they get paid more money than I do. Yeah, we um, don't know the trickle down economy. We don't know how any of that works. We know what we want to see. We know what most MMA fans want to see, and that's why we're here, and that's what we're talking about. Yeah, let's let's uh before we go, let's let's knock out this UFC 224 and talk about some of these fights. Kick it off with uh. Vitor's last fight. So you don't, you don't want to talk about Kelleher at all. You just not, well, you're not feeling it. You don't want to talk about Kelleher and Lineker at all. Listen, because we talked. I about love this. to watch it. It's Lineker. Like, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna keep saying no disrespect to because I'm not gonna lie to you guys. I don't know shit about Brian Kelleher. Yeah, I just don't. That's I'm okay saying that. You know, I watched his last fight, but. To comment on who I think would win this fight, I would be blowing smoke up your ass. <laughs> if, <laughs> if I'm going to comment on who I think is going to win this fight. Yeah. Um, you know, I've seen a ton of Lineker, but to say how he's going to do it against Keller, I just I just can't do it. I hear you. Lineker's Brazilian. That's why he's on the card. That's why he's on the main card. He can probably help sell tickets out there in Brazil, out in Rio. But I just think of Lineker as a prelims performer and i'm gonna leave it at that <laughs> but i i hear what you're saying i i don't want to skip it just because i did want to say that all i do know about kelleher is that he had a decision win against Barrow back in february of this year and that's all you can really say about his record as of late and you know Barrow's broken Barrow's been broken since dillashaw so you got a decision against a broken guy who's, you know, fairly older. This gentleman's 31, Kelleher. So, you know, it kind of confirms your theory on not really being able to say for a fact, okay, Lineker has something to think about. Also, yeah. Lineker's ranked number six, and Kelleher's not ranked. So there's no... there's no. Yeah, it's, it's... Either Lineker gets a, a nod and it moves maybe up to the fifth, the fifth spot or something of that nature... It's, it's or he loses. It's got I mean, that it doesn't do much for the division. It's got that Ricardo Lamas, Josh Emmett feel to it. That's a good comparison. A high ranked That's a great guy comparison. against a, a non ranked guy. <laughs> Kelleher's say he goes in there. Well, I don't think he's gonna knock Lineker out with a head on that guy. Yeah, but, head of um, stone. They should yeah, call head him. of stone. <laughs> but um, you know, if that happens, then that happens. Vitor Belfort and his. He's saying he's not retiring, but he said it's the last fight of his career. I don't know what that means. That means he's going to go to Ryzen. And he's <laughs> going to be the phenom again. He's going to put needles All the steroids. in. Yeah. He's going to put needles in every part of his body. <laughs> and he's coming right back. 19-year-old Vitor uh-huh. is coming back. Going against uh, 96-year-old Lyoto Machida. <laughs> Lyoto looks good, though, for uh, 74. Oh, that's his reach. Sorry. Uh, yeah. Um... <laughs> All right, so so what are you thinking here? Vitor has been knocked out recently, a few times. Yep. Let's just touch on that alone, and then we'll get into Machida. I just feel like, okay, so 
Well, Machida got knocked out by Yoel and Brunson. I don't know, man. I mean, you got two old is, guys. This, this is a good matchup because they both should retire. Oh, it's a good matchup. It just—it's about nine years too late. It's just. Well, this isn't an ex- this isn't a fight that we're all clamoring for. You know, it's opening up the main card for a reason. It's not headlining shit. It's opening up the main card because this, it's in Brazil, and you got to have these two on a Brazil card if you're going to make it their last fight. That. If Bellator was to sign both of these guys, they would headline headline a card with these guys. And you'd be like, what the fuck is Bellator doing? I'm going to watch that shit, though. <laughs> so that's that's what you have here. That's exactly what Prediction. Can you remember who I predicted now? I'm probably flipping <laughs> a coin here. Um, Vitor's hand speed's still there. Machida. It's one thing I'll give him. I'm flipping a coin. I'm going Machida decision. I'm going to say Machida third round TKO. I have a strange feeling. I don't know why I felt like Belfort had more. He's been knocked out more recently than Machida, which I was wrong on. Though, for some reason, I feel like Vitor's chin just isn't there. And I I see Machida exposing that. I really do. I really do. All right. I need the Phenom in Rising, though. I need that ASAP. Mackenzie Dern against Amanda Cooper. Uh, Mackenzie Dern, straight out of Rio de Janeiro, Arizona. <laughs> she is top-level submission artist, uh, jiu-jitsu competitor. However, I just feel... We know the, the question marks surrounding her striking. I'm not mad at her for her striking because she is so new to the sport. It's, that's what you get is a low-level striker that she will improve. Uh, the questions that I have, she just had her first fight. How much improvement? She should have took what she learned in her last fight, improved, went back to the gym, improved on what she learned, improved on her weaknesses, came back five months later, six months later, and took a fight and said, here, look how much better I look now. What she did instead is she won her last fight by, I believe, uh, split decision. She accepted this fight immediately, and then she had some question marks around her camp. She was asked to leave MMA lab. She's now, I believe she's training full-time at her jiu-jitsu gym in California, which I don't believe is going to improve her striking. Doesn't look good. At checkmat. And, uh, man, I'm just, I'm just, I, Man, Mackenzie's got to get to get this to the ground. She's not going to win this with her striking. No. Amanda Cooper, I am a big Mackenzie Dern fan, but I am going with Amanda Cooper here wow. by decision because I feel like she's going to outstrike her. And Amanda Cooper did fairly well on her season of tough. You know, she might have lost to the champion Tatiana Suarez, though Tatiana Suarez just is a phenomenal wrestler, and she's so strong, man. So... You know, Amanda Cooper has very solid striking. I wouldn't say she is a fighter who excels exceptionally in one area. Though you can tell she's put in the road work. You watch her fight, she has very uh, advanced understanding of the striking, of the wrestling, of jiu-jitsu. Whether it's offense or defense. And I feel like that will give Mackenzie issues because Mackenzie is such a specialist and she reverts to what she knows best so quickly if 
she gets her bell rung. If she gets clipped at all in this fight, it's going to go Cooper's way. And I feel it'll go Cooper's way in a TKO. I feel like it'll go Cooper's way in a TKO. Uh, I'm going to say third round. Mackenzie's got to get her losses out now. She's got to get her losses out now. She's got to learn right now. She's built up way too much before the UFC. Yeah, her loss isn't going to hurt her because they've invested too much in her. Yeah. So if she loses, she's going to learn. I feel like it might be better for her. If she wins, she might not learn from her mistakes. She's been so successful for so so long. Like you said, she'll learn more from a loss. Let's move on to Jacare Souza versus Kelvin Gaslam. I don't know how you're going to pick this. These right. are two of your favorite guys. So, two of my favorite guys for a long time. I love Jacare. I love Gaslam. Um, picking a winner off the bat here, I think that this could end in the first round. I think that Gaslam's hand speed is too much for a nearly 40 years old Jacare. Now, Jacare looked great against Brunson. He had that head kick knockout. The head kick, as nice as it looked, it's not Jacare's strength. It's going YouTube. He's got better hands and he's got kicks, okay? So I just think that uh, Kelvin Gastelum's hand speed is going to be too much for him. Jacare's been knocked out by Robert Whitaker. Uh, Gastelum packs some punch. Um, I'm not sure if he can take the. Uh, I'm not. I'm not sure if he could. He's got to get it to the ground. Gastelum's been training with Verdum this whole training camp in preparation. He's got to do enough jujitsu to survive if it goes to the ground. But I just think that it's going to stay on the feet, and I think uh, I think Gastelum's hands are going to be too much. And should Gastelum win, he is next in line for a title shot. If you look at those rankings, man, he's next in line. That's a fact. I mean, he's right number five right now, though, beating the number two guy. And Souza, you know, we have uh, a division where you only questioned his rise. Not you, you, though, just the general public only questioned his rise because he was knocking out these legends and he's knocking out these old men. And then he gets tested by a younger guy like why many loses, though the way the rankings are set up. Calvin Gaslam is on the perfect path to a title shot. There's no other way he could get a title shot this quickly in any other division. You know, yep. not at 170. He wouldn't make his way to Woodley, you know, the same way he's making his way up in this division. I mean, he'd be beating the number two guy. Rockhold's out of the picture. Weidman's out for a while with his hand injury. Nobody knows what's going on with Weidman, and that's Gaslam's only real loss here. And Romero's fighting um, for a title. Romero's rematch. On deck. Um, you know, if, if he wins, especially if he wins in a in a knockout fashion, I um, he it's gonna be Gastelum against the winner of Romero Whitaker. I mean, this is Gastelum's resume is <laughs> knocking out old Brazilians. Yeah, I mean, old guys in general. You, look you at, see what he did to Bisbing. You look at the. The division, the division was generally old at the top, other than Rockhold and Whitaker. But you know, Bisping was an old man, and uh, Romero's forty, although he looks twenty. Uh, <laughs> Jacare's old, so the division as a whole is is pretty old now. Um, so I can't blame him for taking advantage of that. He's he's fighting these old guys, but they're ranked high, so it is what it is. How about your prediction? 
I'm going to go ahead and say Kelvin Gaslam's second round TKO. I, I don't see a world in which Kelvin lands that one, two, and Souza eats it and keeps coming. I don't see that. Yeah. I just don't see that. And Kelvin will land it soon. His hands be like you said, it's so it's so noteworthy. When you watch him fight, it's the very first thing that whether you're a casual fan, whether you've only watched boxing, whether you're MMA, you know, uh, encyclopedia, that guy has insane hand speed. And he looks great at 185. His one-two is is up there with the best. Um he's got some he's got some good some good cardio too for a fat boy. I don't know what it is with some of these these heavier guys, these Kane Velasquez's, Kelvin Gastelums that are chubby looking guys, but they can go for days. Yeah. I don't know what it is. It's that next level cardio. Um but yeah, I, I got Kelvin in that one. Um of course. main event, I'm so I don't believe either of us is picking Pennington, so I don't feel a need to break down the fight. We could talk a little bit. We could talk a little bit about we just watched. You know how much a little bit I'm gonna talk about it. <laughs> Nunez is gonna win. That's that's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm not completely ruling out Pennington, but Nunez is gonna win, and I don't see it going to a decision. It's gonna be some kind of TKO finish. That's that's all I really had to say about that. All right, I don't do MMA math though. Just looking at Pennington versus Andrade which we just watched, just for a quick refresher. And the idea of a fighter like Andrade having to deal with Nunez. I mean, Pennington did well in that fight. And we're talking about a much smaller fighter with literally no reach uh, compared to Nunez. Nunez is long. She hits so hard on the end of that right hand. It's just... It's not something anyone can deal with. Ronda Rousey had no head movement, no striking, though in general, she was getting lit up because no one can take that power. It's the sheer power of Amanda Nunez that wins her this fight. Uh, third round, I'm going to go ahead and say flatline KO. I, I can't even pick a round. I just... You just see the future. If I have to, it's crystal be ball KO. Second round, capital K, capital O. I mean, Amanda Nunes. What do you think about how the UFC markets her? That's an issue. How do you? That's highly. Do you feel debatable. that they're fair in their marketing? No, you don't. Nope, because they're using a business model that works. And I hate to say it, and it's not necessarily a race card, though it's typically in America, which is the obviously their biggest market. They're not able to make certain fighters relatable if people look up at them and see a fighter that they can't necessarily understand and they don't see themselves as. So if a little boy or a little girl, let's say, for example, Amanda Nunez, a little girl looks up to her and say, for example, it's you know a little white girl that speaks English and she can't understand what Amanda is saying and she doesn't feel like she looks like her, she's not going to look up to her the same way. You know, it's it's yeah. it's, it's not... That's a good point. Yeah, it's not about race, man. It's not about, you know, race relations or race wars or racism. It's simply about whether or not you can relate to that person. There's nothing wrong with that from the ground up as a business model. I think that um, Dana has made a point before. One. He's made one point before. <laughs> but that point was that these guys have to market themselves and i i 
guys and girls. I don't necessarily agree with that because he is a promoter. It's the UFC's job to promote these fighters. However, naturally, as a fan, you take to certain certain personalities. Of course. You watch a guy like Cowboy Cerrone, and you're like, man, this dude's... I like this dude. <laughs> you know? You just like him. There's something about Amanda Nunes that isn't captivating an audience. Um, and like you said, maybe it's people can't look up to her and say, you know, I want to be like her one day or whatever it is. Maybe it's, you know, she's from Brazil. She, you know, what, whatever we got. But um, whatever it is, she just doesn't captivate an audience. And I can't even say it's from, she's from Brazil or that she, because Cyborg is selling double the pay-per-view buys as the main event that Nunez is. There's just, there's just something about it that's not, not catching the eye. She's a great fighter. I think maybe they could do better uh, marketing towards certain uh, demographics. Um, whether that's the female population, whether that's the homosexual community, you know, go down those avenues and market there and gain some popularity there. But um, there's just something about the 40-year-old middle-aged man who's watching UFC at home that doesn't care as much about Amanda Nunes. Um, it's, it's a shame, but I also don't think she's doing herself any favors by throwing out the race card like Tyron Woodley. I think people would take the Tyron Woodley more if he didn't complain about so many so many things. You know, if he was a more entertaining fighter, it's it's him that's made his his fights less entertaining. Um, can't say anything about the entertainment value of Amanda Nunes. They've been entertaining. It's just there's just something that's not catching the eye there, and you can't really explain what it is. But it's kind of like that charisma. You either have it or you don't. You know, you either have it or you don't. They can't instill that in you, and I I just don't see it in her. That's a good point. I, I feel personally that it's her rise and there's been some stutter moments. There's been some blank spaces in her rise, not in her performances at all, though in her rise to her exposure. You know, you would like a fighter to start off like Connor. We would all love for every fighter to start off like Connor with crazy charisma, you know, predicting the future, you know, essentially. Mm-hmm. You would love every fighter to start off like that, blowing the minds of everyone with their performances and then with what they say before and after on the mic. Amanda didn't do that, though she was still so dominant that she felt like she deserved to have that same kind of attention, you know, in her regard, and she didn't get it. You can't ask for a, you can't ask for, say, for example, Dana and the promoters and the advertising management team to come in and bring you up to the level you think you deserve. You have to prove you deserve it and then kind of get close to it and then they'll build you from there. So she, in my opinion, never really had, like you said, that charisma for the media department to say, we can't wait to put out the posters for her. We can't wait to do an embedded with her because she gets the numbers, you know, skyrocketing. A lot of it's in that buildup. I mean, before she fought Ronda Rousey, how many people knew who she was? I'm sorry, not Ronda Rousey. Before she fought uh, Misha Tate, oh, how many people knew who she was? She was few. just she was just the top ranked female that was going to fight for a title. So there was no there. Cyborg had a name before she ever hit the UFC. 
people knew who Cyborg was. So that might be the difference in now the Cyborg's UFC champion making a market. Amanda Nunez, not a lot of people knew who she was, and then all of a sudden she has a, a belt on her shoulder. Now, a lot of people could have learned it's who she was from space. Ronda Rousey, but like I said, prior to her having that belt on her shoulder, around her waist, whatever, she was a virtual unknown to a lot of people. And it's hard to market somebody now that they have a title. You know, they have to be marketed prior to having that title. And then once they get the title, they blow up. She's basically playing catch up as yeah, a champion. They're, they're, they got to work backwards. As one of the most dominant champions ever. They got to work backwards. She's playing catch up, which is sad. Yeah. It's real, though. And uh, I still think she wins this and continues to become a bigger star. And I would love her story to get out there. She has a phenomenal story. She's dating a fellow uh, phenomenal MMA fighter in Nina Ansaroff. Uh, check out some of her fights as well. Yep. She's on the rise. That story and, you know, watch the Embedded. It's up right now yep. on YouTube. Yep. Get to the, get the know your fighters. Absolutely. So, uh, so ready to wrap things up, I guess? Absolutely. This card has potential. This card has major potential. You know, we're looking at potential legends making their way out. We've got a young guy like Gasolum coming up. We got Dern trying to figure things out. Yep. You know, dominant champion Nunez. Mm-hmm. This is a big deal. I mean, I want you guys to tune in. So... This is Fight Stance Podcast. We're up on YouTube now. We're on YouTube and SoundCloud. You can find us on Twitter. Myself, at Fight Stance Flex. I am Flex Fight Stance JC. Apologize. Um, go check out those Underground Kings. Andre Harrison. Uh, Dominic Reyes. Go find those guys. Follow us on Twitter as well at Fight Stance Pod. Uh, also on Instagram, Fight Stance Podcast. Um, go check out these guys. Let us know what you think about the podcast. We'll be coming back next month. We're also going to try to do some uh, individual podcasts for some lower level fights in the meantime. But uh, thanks for listening. What's your stance?